Well, hey, everybody. My name is Billy Phoenix, and it is so great to be with you on the Lead Pastor Podcast. Today, we are continuing the conversation that we started a few episodes ago about multi-site ministry in churches that are working in a multi-site model. In our first couple of episodes, Lane Jones talked us through some of the thoughts and the strategy and the nuts and bolts of creating multi-site church. And so over these next couple episodes, or these episodes that we're in now, we're turning the page and to hear some real life stories of churches that are walking, have walked and are walking the road from a church in a singular location to eventually becoming a church of multiple locations in multi-site world. And so today I'm so super excited because we have with us Ben Snyder, and he is from Cedar Creek Church. They're up in Northwest Ohio in Toledo. It used to just be around Toledo. Now they're kind of Toledo and beyond. So uh, we're excited to have Ben with us today. Ben, thanks for spending a few minutes with us today. Billy, thanks so much. And as always, thanks for the ways that uh, you and the North Point Ministries team continues to uh, make a difference in churches like ours, man. This is, this is going to be fun. Well, it is. It's fun, and it's it's a it's a pleasure to uh, be a part of the network with you guys, but also too to watch all the cool stuff that God has done and has continues to do through Cedar Creek. So, I wanted to start out uh, with kind of a personal question and ask you just to give us a quick snapshot of your road into ministry and how you found your way into ministry, but also to how you found your way specifically to Cedar Creek. Uh, so my story's kind of weird in some ways. Um, my parents tell me that I was preaching on my neighbor's front porch when I was two or three years old. So I was pretty young. Um, and, uh, my dad was a blue collar tool and die machine maker and, uh, worked hard at rehabbing homes, not, not a ton of resources growing up. And so, uh, I remember being in junior high, you know, they ask you the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wrote, pastor on the three by five card and machinist. I think the machinist was actually first. <laughs> Who remembers this stuff? I, I don't know why I remember that, but I think from an early age, there was just this uh, unique uh, understanding that maybe there was something more for me, um, especially as it relates to ministry. Didn't really engage a ton in all of that. In fact, I ended up at the University of Toledo uh, kind of running my own life. I was here to party and be away from home and all of that stuff. And uh, somebody invited me to Cedar Creek um, while I was, uh, I think the term we use is spiritually restless. And God used this church to, along with some other factors in my life to change my life. And then I started serving. And then all of a sudden, when I look back, it's like, oh, there's a bigger story going on here uh, to the point where I came on staff. Um, I was actually the first intern at Cedar Creek. Then I came on staff, had a variety of roles. And a few years ago, our founding lead pastor, Lee Powell, was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And uh, the elders asked if I would be willing to step in and lead Cedar Creek into its next chapter. So so you, so you, Cedar Creek started what year? Uh, 1995 okay. uh, with about 100 people in a, a Holiday Inn uh, banquet area. Yeah. And you, so you showed up at Cedar Creek, obviously as an attender. It was fall a of sing, singular. Yeah. Yeah. So singular location back then, fall of 1999. And so yeah. you've seen, you've seen it grow through this whole progression. Have you, has it been multi-site? Was it multi-site before you took over as lead pastor? Yeah, we had, uh, five locations when I took over, um, six, if you count your online experience, um, but, uh, our first location, we were in a rented facility at the time it was a elementary school theater. We had about 600 people or so. 
And uh, we thought that success would be to be a church of about a thousand, maybe 1500. Yeah. And so these days, give us the range from smallest campus to largest campus for you guys. Yeah, we added a sixth location as a bit of an experiment. Um, we're trying to, uh, we're dreaming of ways to get into smaller communities without spending the $5 million on a building. So our smallest campus is a former church. I'm sorry, it's a church that uh, we were able to acquire. It's got about 300 people. And then our broadcast campus is between two and 3,000. Yeah. And demographically, your uh, rural or urban, I know you've, your progression has kind of moved from Toledo out, seemingly more rural. What's the demographic or is there one? Uh, yeah, I think Toledo, uh, population-wise, is about 600,000 when you take the metro area, uh, which surprises some people. It's kind of spread out over bedroom communities around Toledo. And so uh, we're in two of the, uh, you could say, m more affluent suburbs. We have two campuses inside of the city of Toledo itself. I'm sorry, three campuses in the suburbs, two inside of the city and then um, we have one, a city 45 minutes away called Finley, uh, which is a new market for us. Yeah, that's so you guys are, are pretty spread out now uh, or you're moving toward being pretty spread out. Let's back up and let me ask you, how, why, what was the impetus to move into this multi-site world? And again, when you guys were going into this, this was, this was early, early on, even early. the thoughts of multi-site. When, uh, so I wasn't around the executive team table at the time, but I have heard the stories plenty of times, right? Uh, we were at our current broadcast campus off of 75 with dreams of adding a 2,500 seat auditorium. It was going to be about a $10 million project. We didn't even come close to raising that amount. And so now it was like, we need seats we don't know what to do. We don't have enough money to add an, a 2,500-seat auditorium. And so we were stuck to the point where Lee was standing up on the weekend saying, hey, um, why don't you go to one of these other churches in our community? <laughs> they weren't um, even yours. They were yours just offloading right. somewhere else. And which, was, which was cool. Um, and then uh, somebody came along and offered us Dave Ferguson's conversation on going multi-site, uh, community Christian, I think. And Naperville, Illinois. We also got connected with Greg Surratt at the time, who was going multi-site down at Seacoast. And when we first heard it, we were like, that'll never work. People will never watch video and, and come back, right? And uh, we ended up running a Dave Ramsey series called Money, Love, Hope, whatever. It's, it's one of his uh, four-week series. And we grew. And now all of a sudden, all the pieces came together. And we're like, we're going to try this. And so we did. We launched a, in an elementary school, and that was, uh, we had a thousand people to start, and we were really excited. This was the future. And then that kind of dwindled down to about uh, 500, which was good, but it just didn't quite feel right. And then we scored a second facility where uh, we were like close to 2,000 opening weekend. It was Easter, so that's a bit inflated from normal, but it was just, it was huge. And it felt like Cedar Creek. And then that's when we really got into the building out some facilities that had the same holistic experience that people could get at the broadcast campus. So do you think that first experiment had something to do with the fact that it was a temporary facility versus the third or the second 
multi or the third iteration, which was in a permanent facility. Was that the difference? Yeah, well, that, that's what our that's what our early on anecdotal uh, feedback was from friends or family is uh, we offloaded a thousand people to the White House. It was the Anthony Wayne High School or so. Or let's say we offloaded 500 and a new 500 showed up that opening weekend. So we grew. And then as time went on, a lot of those original 500 came back to Perrysburg and they would tell us it just doesn't feel the same being in a rented space. Now, I think what what we've come to realize after doing this a few times is that whenever you launch a campus and you send people out, there's always going to be a little bit of a return to the campus where they have probably more sentimental uh, attachment to people, to places, to rhythms, especially if they have kids, unless they begin to develop new experiences in that same way at the new location. So... Yeah, we would we would refer to them as you know trying to determine who's your pioneer and who's your settler because that, a lot of the right. settlers would come because it's right. close to where they live, but then they're like, we really liked it the way it was, and they would tend to tend to settle back to the main campus versus pioneers. They're like, no, we're we get the mission, we get the vision, we actually think this is exciting to start something new, and then that becomes the base. Just another example of what we love about North Point. You <laughs> have a way of putting terms on it that's like, oh yeah, that's. Great. Oh, uh, that's fine. Well, we've, we, we've, we're learning probably the same about the same time you were um, way back then. Um, so talk to me now about now that you're six, I guess, six campuses, seven, including online, if that's right. Yep. Uh, your mentality around expansion now, you know, how, how does your church decide that another campus needs to be open these days? Um, so there are two, two things that I think, uh, from a macro visionary, uh, well, let's call it three, uh, Cedar Creek has obviously gone on, uh, through senior leader transition that impacts your church in almost every level, um, leadership structure and, you know, the sentimental connection to the the founding pastor. And so we're in year three of that which in some ways has plateaued our growth. Our growth was starting to plateau before then. So then it's like, well, do we really need to launch campuses? Because uh, we still have plenty of available seats at our optimum service time. And I wouldn't say we have that now. But, um, but you know, right now we're trying to find ways to, number one, navigate transition. Number two, grow in a community where the population isn't necessarily growing. And then number three, really dream about where have we heard people say, multiple people say, we would love a Cedar Creek in our community. And if you, that, that's really what prompted us to go to Finley. And then out of Finley, I think there are two or three other cities that we could open up and reach a new market where I think in the greater Toledo area, we're, I don't know that we're there yet, but we're approaching, I think, a certain level of market saturation where any new campus is going to cannibalize some of the other campuses in a way that might not necessarily be helpful. Uh, we have one more suburb in the greater Toledo area that we we're, we've been dreaming about being a part of um, for years in the Sylvania area. Um, but outside of that, um, outside of that strategic area for Toledo, we're starting to ask the question, is Cleveland a new market for us? Um, there are other cities that probably don't mean much to your audience, but for us, we've gone like, three to four hours away and can we launch a pure video experience 
in a community that might not be able to afford the $5 million building, but doesn't have a church experience for somebody who um, didn't grow up going to church um, was, you know, maybe it's, it's not the contemporary traditional style church that's available in the town, that kind of stuff. So this is interesting. So you're, um, I want to push down on this question a little bit more. So you're feeling the same thing that I think a lot of churches are feeling, especially large, more, a lot of larger, more contemporary services and this general flattening of attendance, whether it's people engaging online in different ways, people changing their patterns, attending less, that that's a, a nationwide tendency. You, you, that happens for you on top of a leadership change. And so Am I right in saying that through the years, you opened campuses based on, we need to get people out of this overcrowded room into look a little closer to their houses. But now, since that is not the pressure anymore, the pressure is changing to let's take this church that seems to be working strategically and move it to areas that need it strategically. So am I right in saying that your, the impetus for starting a campus is, is shifting for you? Uh, I would say it gives us, um, yes, it gives us a, a vision beyond just the communities that we're a part of without losing our heart for the communities that we're a part of. Um, I think where we first experienced this was opening the Finley campus in a city about 45 minutes away. It, we didn't open that because we n- needed to offload seats. We just had enough already interest down there that it seemed like we could experience or see spiritually restless, unchurched people come and have a great experience where they're introduced to Jesus for the first time. And that's really what, that's one of the primary things that Cedar Creek was founded on. And uh, another, that's kind of what gets us excited. That's led us to the experiment in Oregon, one of the Toledo communities where let's see if we can launch a campus um, for a fraction of the budget that we've normally done and still see life change success so that we can start to play with other communities in Northwest Ohio, or maybe even parachuting into a new market. Yeah, that's great. So tell us a little bit more about some of the steps that you take to get ready to open a new campus. Uh, And this could be everything from core team to a core community there that you know will show up on day one. Uh, Facility, for somebody that is thinking about going into the multi-site world, what what is your process to, uh, to go through to get ready to launch? Yeah, I would say uh, first, know where your people are coming from already. So if you're not collecting any sort of data or, or and, and not all of that is available through kids checking or, or giving. So, because um, you have probably more people attending than are engaging in those pieces. So uh, we've had a pretty robust uh, information collection system process where we can pull the zip codes of where people are coming from that gives us a snapshot at where we could have early adopters pioneers is the word that you use you know that would be willing to at least help get the word out second thing that you look for is uh and and this kind of for us has been at the same time is leader and location um in part because uh, we've been looking at Sylvania for years. I mean, years, and we've had several opportunities that never manifested themselves. Um, but we, when an, a location became available in Oregon, now all of a sudden the location drove the conversation. Sometimes, like with me, I was the one who opened the South Toledo campus. Um, it was the campus pastor who helped 
lead the conversation. It's like, okay, Ben's the next guy. We're going to bring him in and we're going to look for a location that's suitable, hoping that we would find something that made sense for us and something in South Toledo opened up. So we kind of look at both of those at the same time. Then you start to build a core team around who is attended. You, you invite them into information gatherings and um, usually with uh, locations, there's a build out. We try to involve people in a bit of the build out. Um, we don't, uh, we've never really had the resources to do a $10 million campus launch. And so our building projects usually come in between two to 3 million, which I know for some of the churches that are listening is like the annual budget for some. But when you're launching a six to 800 seat auditorium, 40,000 square feet of space, somewhere between 30 and 40,000 square feet, um, we, 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 uh, we leverage uh, volunteer teams coming and helping out with that, which I know we're not the only one who does that, but that's kind of how the process looks. So let's imagine one of these facilities that you just explained fills up. Is the goal, would there be a phase two or phase three, or would that the goal to be let's move on to the next community or let's figure out a different way to... Great question. All of our Toledo campuses are within 20 minutes of each other. So that has some advantages and disadvantages. So, So in some ways, we couldn't hold seats at Perrysburg, so we moved north about 20 minutes, and you can get anywhere in Toledo in 20 minutes or less. So you move north 20 minutes where there are mental barriers that was keeping people from coming down to Perrysburg. You moved into White House with mental barriers. It's not really travel barriers. Um, it's like, I just don't normally go there. Our, our model became like, where do people buy groceries? And they may love Kroger, but they're not going to drive by three other supermarkets to get to the Kroger unless there's a friend or a real reason to go there. And we just started to feel that some of these communities, they may like the idea of a church like Cedar Creek, but it's going to take a lot to take to get an unchurched person to drive by 50 churches, you know, unless there's some friends investing and inviting in their life. Yeah, that's great. Let me uh, ask you turn the table a little bit and ask you about programming. So t- talk to me about how Sunday morning looks like from campus to campus. What, what is seem would be similar walking in out of a, out of a church, but what also too is unique. So uh, we, uh, another church that was an inspiration for us early on was life church. Obviously most multi-site churches uh, picked up stuff from them. Um, and so we, uh, our founding pastor really adopted their model. All the weekend teaching comes in via video from the broadcast campus. Um, we have experimented with each campus trying to do their own worship set or, you know, whatever songs that they felt like the band was the most comfortable with. Um, we have found that for us, that becomes inefficient and the excellence starts to go down because we can't staff the people at all the campuses or necessarily guarantee the quality in some of our volunteer teams to pull some of those pieces off. And so in order to be efficient, we try to get everybody to run the same weekend play, the same graphics, uh, a similar program in the service, and then where campuses take a little bit of nuance or they they basically contextualize the predetermined program into their audience. Um, so for some people, they're like, well, then you really don't allow a whole lot of creativity at a campus level. Um, I, I, I think, uh, I think it's just a different kind of creativity 
And I have to make sure that I'm creating uh, opportunities for our campus pastors to be able to um, uh, call it flex some of their leadership muscles in other ways. So, Is the programming palette the same, meaning that so based on where your churches are regionally, if you have a church that's in one of the more affluent areas, they probably wouldn't have some of the maybe community outreach initiatives that one of your churches would that's in an area that has more community needs. Is the, is there any variation between the programming palette? Um, I would say the guests, the guests needs are different for each campus. So really the campus teams have to serve their guests right where they're at. What's unique about Toledo is even if you're a part of a suburb, you know, like white house, it's a bedroom community. Most likely you work in Toledo and because you can get anywhere in 20 minutes, if I were to do a service project in the middle of the city, you'd have people from almost every campus. And in some cases, people from Finley drive all the way up to be a part of that. Yeah. And so even though we have nuance at our campuses for as far as the guests are concerned, um, I, I think one of the fun things about Cedar Creek in our region is that the campuses are all willing to come together to do something big. And um, that doesn't mean we get all participation, but if there's a, a couple of singular visionary points that we're chasing after together, the church loves to do that together. Yeah, that that's, feels like a great win in the sense that there's sometimes you have multi-site churches that, you know, a person walks in and out of a church and really couldn't care less that there's other churches in the network. But to have a, uh, have a group of churches that, that are constantly thinking, gosh, this is my local iteration of our church. But then, you know, on this certain Saturday or around this certain initiative, we're all going to come together and make a big mark. That seems like a real win. It's one of the, one of the secret sauce wins is when people move to a different region, they don't have to wonder what's the guest experience going to be like at Cedar Creek at their new location. It's going to feel a lot like where they came from. And so, yes, you're, sometimes the biggest back door you have is people are moving out of your neighborhood into a new neighborhood and they don't really want to leave your church. I mean, people move, what, every three to four years-ish? And, um, and so for us, they can move to a neighborhood and Cedar Creek still isn't that hard to get to um, within the greater Toledo area. So uh, your back door actually becomes a, a transfer growth at your other campuses and you don't miss a beat. That's yeah. nice. A couple of questions about staffing. What have your typical launch staffs been? The the basic menu for a staff as a campus launches. So uh, standard play is a campus pastor. Next would be an arts pastor of some sort. SPD guy as uh, is, is your term. Somebody who can take care of the creative at the campus. Um, kids, students. And then we call it next steps, um, and that's a big role, but next steps basically takes care of uh, some of the key strategies with which we try to get people connected or take a next step in their spiritual journey um, through the programs. I don't like using that term, but the programs that we offer, whether that's the dream team serving on a, a volunteer team. Um, and how that integrates into the next step journey that you're taking. Maybe it's groups or a combination of both. It could be some care that you need. They help oversee uh, all of that process for adults. So. Yeah, and then there's obviously a central staff that, that uh, supports yep. from that entity. What is central staff 
support. You can look at, uh, uh, I think it's five buckets. We have one guy who takes care of the people of our church, their, their care and development. That's the guy who's over all of our campuses, our campus pastors and our campus teams. They're really guest focused. Then you have uh, a ministries team. They're really responsible for all of the systems and strategies that help people and children and adults grow at the church. Uh, then we have an arts team that's main responsibility is to keep Sunday full and to make sure that the people we are hoping to reach hear about and or are talking about or feel invited to Cedar Creek. And then we got a guy who oversees the kind of the operating systems of our church, the business operations. You call that ministry services. We call that now the same thing. And then me, kind of the visionary uh, uh, main communicator of the church. So those five buckets are taken care of centrally. And so the campuses depend upon central support for management type training, HR function, payroll, budgeting, all of that stuff, facility, new land acquisition, all of that stuff. Same with the ministry deliverables that come, the strategies and systems that help children, students, adults grow. Same with arts and programming and branding, all of that comes centrally. It's influenced by the people at the campuses, so they have a voice in, hey, this is or isn't working for us. But since Toledo has kind of a big primary identity, there isn't a whole lot of nuance between yeah. uh, the neighborhoods that you might have in a larger city like Atlanta. You communicate how many times a year? What percentage, it doesn't matter, about how, how often are you communicating? I'm around 35 to 40 weekends a year. Uh, we had a teaching team of five before I became the lead pastor that came, went down to one when I became the lead pastor. That's me. And now we are in the process of, we don't have a teaching team, but I have, I, I have made it my intentional focus to develop more and more communicators at our church. And uh, that's been a fun assignment, challenging assignment. And we are sitting in a spot where I have probably five or six people who love to communicate. They also love to lead. And it's been fun to watch them grow and develop. Yeah. Obviously, one of your roles, too, is to maintain not only the health, the global health, I think, of the staff, but also to the global vision and connectiveness to all of the staff. What are the mechanisms that you do that or or, or in some ways, how do you balance that with what they is left for the campus pastor to do? How do you maintain this global vision and what are the ways that you do that? Yeah, I would say this, this was something early on that when you have proximity to me, um, it helps. And when you have campuses, the automatic barriers that you have between the primary leader or, you know, the, the um, senior leader and the people who are really carrying the mission and vision with the guests, that gap is so big um, that uh, I tried to increase the number of meetings that I had. And that wasn't always effective because not everybody could make it. And early on, so four years ago, I started doing weekly staff video updates to our entire staff. And I would hear from our teams, what are the big bucket items? What are the unanswered questions? What are the things that the team needs to hear from me? And then we just sent those out on a weekly basis. So they got to basically have FaceTime with me early on. And I'm like, guys, if this doesn't work, I'll quit. And what we ended up hearing, especially from a lot of our part-timers, is they felt more connected to me and the vision of our church because they're getting a dose of vision and what's coming next. 
the big bucket stuff right from me. And if there were key transitions that we were making, language transitions, uh, ministries that we were going to kind of uh, put an end to or new things that we were going to start, they could hear me process it in person as opposed to two or three or four layers removed. And so I still do that to this day. I mean, I got a YouTube channel with hundreds of random videos that are really embarrassing for me to go back and watch. Well, it's um, crazy. It's a bit of affirmation is that yeah, I think you are, you, I know you're not the only one, but you in all of my interviews are the first person that's ever said, I leverage a digital solution on a common or on a regular basis to cast vision to our staff that are spread out geographically. And, and here's uh, the thing. Go ahead. I, I don't need it to be polished. I do them from my home with my kids interrupting me. Um, the more raw, not raw, it's not like you want to, yeah. you, you don't want to waste people's time. But if you were to put this on the stage or send this out, you, you, you could argue the excellence could be better. And I agree. However, if I want an authentic connection with the team, I need them to feel like, hey, this is fresh. This is not polished. This, this is me as if we're sitting down at the table, just like you and I are right now having a conversation. And I was just, I was, I've been comfortable using my phone uh, to do that prior to this, that it just, it made sense. Well, it's probably no more unpolished than it would look like if you stood in the front of the room when everybody was sitting in a row in front of you. Exactly. That's what it starts to feel like yeah. is I'm just leading a staff meeting, except you can experience this at the speed at which you work, not at the availability that you have to come to my meeting. Yeah, that's a great, great solution. Uh, one uh, other quick question um, about finances, because I know people are always interested about this. How do you guys handle finances, budgets, now that you're multi-site? I don't know that um, I'm the right one to ask. Uh, I feel like that is the area where I had to learn um, the most. I remember having a conversation with a senior leader. So maybe this is for those of you that are transitioning into the role, but I was meeting with a senior pastor of another church and he asked, he asked me a question with some jargon that I didn't understand, um, which, expen which, which was basically, what's your weekly expenses? And uh, I'm like, I'm not really sure. I'd have to ask, you know, the finance guy. And he looked at me and he said, Mark, today in the calendar is the last day that you don't know the answer to a financial <laughs> question. And I was like, yes, sir. Um, so I would say I've had a lot of learning here. We used sure. to, um, I'm going to talk big picture. We used to spend every dollar that came in. And through the advice of North Point, Church of the Highlands and Life Church, we now budget at 90% of last year's revenue. That's where we're moving to um, so that we have 10% margin. And then we try to live in the 40 to 50% payroll, 20 to 20% uh, ministry programming and 20% ministry environments. And all of that is primarily controlled centrally. We have not figured out how to quantify um, an expense for what central services or central ministries provides um, the campuses to know whether their P&L statements are profitable or not. Uh, we know that all of our campuses, for the most part, are paying for their staff, paying their rent, but we don't have a, an equitable term for how much of our central support resources are going to guests. We've seen some of the formulas. We just haven't been able to land on ours yet because of the the way that we're structured. So I don't know that I'm directly answering the question. No, that that's it. I mean, just out. the fact that you guys are, are doing a central budget that is uh, every, every campus is accountable, but you have a central budget. You don't have seven budgets that everybody's raising and, and 
trying to meet their own budget. It, it's similar to, I think, most people are doing it. And again, like us, like the North Point story is that ours, the way we have approached central services and paying for central services has shifted through the years too. And it's gone from trying to be very formulaic and you know, issuing bills to different campuses based upon age and size all the way over to now going, hey, we're just going to use the excess that comes off campuses and budget to that. And so it's actually gone very similar and, and in much ways very simpler um, as well. So yeah, that was a that was a perfectly fine answer. It seemed educated to me. So I would never would have known the difference. So, Well, Dan, thanks so much for spending some time. This is so super helpful as always. It's just great to hear you know, how it's working and the real life story of a church and a staff and a, and a lead pastor. So thanks for, for doing what you're doing. Thanks for on behalf of Ohio. Thanks for, for creating a great church where people can come to know Jesus anymore. We're so super excited to see what God is, is going to continue to do in and through Cedar Creek. And so if you're listening and you would love to learn a little bit more about Cedar Creek, you can find them online at cedarcreek.tv. Uh, you can uh, see a lot more and watch uh, watch some footage of what they do and uh, see about what they offer. So uh, you can find them there. So as always, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for joining us on the Lead Pastor Podcast. If you're a partner in the North Point Network, be sure to check out the conversation to go with today's podcast. You can find that at northpointpartners.org. If you're not a partner but would love more information, click on the Explore Partnership link in the show notes to learn more about how the North Point Partner Network can help your church go further, faster.